Hi, everybody. My name is Hank, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I don't know why Kay or Cliff or Jan isn't speaking as long as it's their story. I don't know why they imported me from Charlotte, but I'm glad to be here. I mean, it is really an honor to participate in a, a meeting of any kind. I, uh, I like to I like traveling around and uh, got to do a little bit of it since I got sober. You know, before I got sober, I, I couldn't get out of Hermosa Beach, California. I was never in an auto, never ever in an airplane until after I got sober. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing that I've been able to, to do, uh, to travel all over the United States. Uh, I used to drink. I better throw that in. Uh, in case you might think I'm some kind of an imposter or something. I, I used to drink a lot. My son says I'm a basic sister, but a day drinker. You know, but what does he know? He just saw me around the house at night. Uh, I used to do a lot of social drinking during the day. And uh, my, my then wife came to AA. I thought it was ridiculous that he went to AA and uh, he a good guy. I went to AA with her and uh, just to see what she was up to. You know. And I'd be done if I didn't get sober. And, uh, and I've been sober ever since. And my sobriety date is December the 29th, 1969. And uh, I... Uh, I'm just telling you that to impress you, that's all. Uh, but you know, it, uh, I went to these meetings as a visitor, and, uh, and I, you know, got sober, and I, I, uh, got a sponsor. And my sponsor urged me to do the cross I did them, and, uh, Obviously, if I hadn't had a spiritual awakening, we talked about that. Uh, it's, uh, and every, you know, that's my story, right there. Everything else I'm going to say tonight is just something to say. Because, uh, that's the problem. I, uh, I started drinking when I was 18 years old. I had done a little behind the gym drinking before that, but I went into a bar in Los Angeles, and you're supposed to be 21, and I passed for 21, I ordered a drink, and it served me, and immediately I became a man, that's what I wanted to be, a man, and a man can buy a drink over a bar without being that old. And I thought I graduated right then and there, I became a man right then, you know, that moment, and, uh, and I, I just felt comfortable in that place. Sometimes I hear people speak, and they say, uh, when I went to my first AA meeting, I came into the room and I just felt like I came home. Boy, that's not me at all. But I sure felt at home in that bar. I knew I belonged there. I just liked everything about it. I could play the jukebox over in the corner just as good as the rest of the time. In, in fact, I thought my selection of songs were a little better than most. And I could sit at the bar and look myself in the mirror and get better looking after each drink. And, and I just went back every opportunity. I, from then on, 
I just went back every opportunity I had, and from then on, I drank. From then on, alcohol was the focal point of my life. From then on, I was under the influence of alcohol for the next 30 years. I, uh, I don't mean I was drunk every moment of that time, but, you know, I was either drinking or thinking about drinking or coming off of a drunk. And it was the focal point of my life. And, uh, I enjoyed drinking for a long time and, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a social lubricant for me. I was able to dance and romance and do all the things that normal people seem to be able to do without that stuff. You know, just give me a drink. Just help me get started. I'm, I'm okay. And just keep a drink coming every once in a while. And I'm real social, you know. And, uh, and that's the way I, I was. And I met this woman in a bar. Where else do you meet girls? And, uh, and we got married and uh, moved into a little, uh, crack house out west of Venus, California. It's a little about 20 miles out of east of Los Angeles. A little crack house out there and I, nothing down, you know, naturally. And, uh, those payments would come due at the first of the month and I had trouble making those payments. Because you see, I need my money to drink with. And those payments would come due, and, and, and I couldn't, couldn't make the payment. So I just said, well, uh, I just won't make it this month. I'll double up next month. Next month I'll make two payments. And, and, you know, I don't think I ever made a payment on that house that wasn't a late charge connected with. And, um, and so we almost lost that house several times. And we finally had to sell it and move in with my father for free. Uh, because I just used my money to drink. Uh, we got out there, you know, and if anybody would have asked me, Hank, what is your problem? I would have said money. <laughs> money is my problem. You know. Boy, she'd go to work and help out a little bit, but maybe things would be better. But no, it turns out she was pregnant. And she already had a baby by a previous marriage, and her number two was going to come, and, and, and uh, uh, I didn't start saving for that baby until about a week before it was due. <laughs> I couldn't come up with the money, so I went to the beneficial finance company, and I borrowed the money to pay for the hospital and medical expenses when my son was born. And, uh, you know, when I, when he turned 25 years old, and and I was sober for a couple of years. I finally got beneficial paid off. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always had a problem. I always had a crisis in my life. Every time I'd almost get those guys paid off, something would happen. I'd have to go back down there and consolidate my bills one more time. And, uh, it was, it, money is my problem. And I, sometimes I, uh, I would, Go to the Pacific, you know, I'd go back to beneficial and I'd, and I'd consolidate all my bills and then something would happen, a part of that money on the way home. And, and I'd get there and I was gonna write some checks and pay off all those other, those bills, you know, and, and, uh, it wasn't enough. So I'd go to the, to the Pacific Finance Company and borrow some more. And, Sometimes I'd have a bank loan going too. Sometimes all three at the same time. And, and at income tax time, I can't do it anymore. But 
you said that you ducked all that interest, uh, you know, off the income tax. And so now you had a, geez, what a, what an amount of interest. I couldn't believe the amount of interest I was paying. And, you know, and I would say to myself, what are you buying? You're, you're, you're making all these payments. What, what are you purchasing? You know, nothing. <laughs> I, I was just making payments. That's all. I, I finally figured it out after I was sober a couple of years. You know, what I did is I financed about 25 years of my drinking. Every time I took a drink, I paid an extra 15, 20, 25 cents in interest to beneficial finance. I don't have to do that anymore, thank God. And, uh, that's where you live. And, and uh, used to kick me out of the house all the time. And it seems like, you know, I don't know, I, I was trying my best. I, I'd get home early and I'd, and I'd, uh, try to get dinner started and everything. She'd come home and, and, uh, find me half in, you know, about halfway in the bag. And for some reason I used to bother her and, and, uh, she'd kick me out of the house. And I, you know, I'm, it's never, ever, it's hurt, occurred to me and say, wait a minute, you can't kick me out of the house. I own this place. I'm making the payments here. You know, how can you kick me out of my own house? It never occurred to me. I didn't have any self-worth at all, and so I just left. I'd, I'd pack my two fond shopping bags and, and split. And uh, I never moved very far from home, just down the street. And, and I'd work my way back in. I was in and out, back and forth. She divorced me three times. And uh, finally, the Finally, at the end there, the last time, I said, you want a divorce, you got it. You can, you know, I'm tired of playing these games with you. You want, you want to be divorced, like, let's do it. And, uh, but this is it. And, uh, so, she, and I said, all I, you can have the house, you can have the furniture, you can have everything. I said, all I want is my stack of old seven years records. They're collector items and I want to she was trying to get rid of Sam and me. And so I moved to this little shack in Hermosa Beach, California. And I went to the landlady showed me this little place. It was a garage that they had made some living quarters. And uh, it was a room about 12 by 15, something like that, just a little place. And, and uh, I bought a turntable and 10 speakers from a friend of mine. <laughs> and I had speakers in all four corners behind the drapes, behind the couch, in the bathroom, in the kitchen. You know, I had a speaker, you know, wherever. And uh, a typical day back then. You know, I just drank my wife away, and my home away, and my kids away. I drank everything away. All I had left was my job. And, and, uh, and I was afraid of lose, losing that because that was my last bit of respectability that I had joined. I worked for this big company and they put my name on one of their business cards. And that's who I was. And if I lost that job, I was nothing. And uh, a typical day back then, you could be like, I'd wake up with a start at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm already an hour late to work. Throw my clothes on, weave it, get in that car, weave in and out of traffic. I had to get there. See, I should have worked yesterday. 
I left all those papers all over my desk, and I had papers in my desk drawer. Some of them were months old. They were too old to turn in. If I turned them in, I'd be fired for holding them so long. If I didn't turn them in, I was going to get fired. And I knew today was the day. This is it. Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll go stand in front of the VA hospital like all the other guys do, you know, my age. And uh, says, I'm going to be fired today. And I get to, get to the office and check everything out. And everything seems to be sane. Last time I got in the office and, and uh, check it all out, make sure, and I go, go to the coffee room, get a cup of coffee, and come back to my desk and shuffle papers and make excuses to my customers. They'd want to know where their stuff was. And, and it was in my desk drawer where it was. And I said, you haven't got that in the mail? I said, you know, that's the trouble nowadays. Class of help you have to hire, you know. They just don't understand the word service. And I'll personally take care of that today myself. And uh and I I do that number for about an hour or so and at a respectable time I'd go to lunch at the bar that was conveniently located right next door to where I worked. And they they sold martinis over there and I like martinis. And they sold Double martini during the lunch hour for a dollar. The regular ones were 75 cents. By the way, you know, I went to a nice restaurant recently and they wanted $4.75 for a martini. I looked on the thing. Can you imagine? I don't know. I couldn't afford to drink. I'm sure glad I quit when I did. <laughs> but a double for a dollar. The regular ones were 75 cents. I figured, whoever heard of having one martini? You're going to have two anyhow, so you might as well order the double one at, you'll say, 50 cents. God knows you need the money back. <laughs> and I'd order the dollar. And I'd get to sipping on that, you know, and kind of check my drink against the guy sitting next to me and check his drink and mine, you know. He'd have a 75 cent, and I'd say to myself, he and my elder, they think they're kidding. This isn't really a double. It's a little larger than the 75 center, that's all. But, you know, they'd be charging more money if it was really a double. So I better have another one. <laughs> then I'd have another one. Then I'd have another one. And then I'd have another one. And then I'd call the office and tell them. Forgot to tell you, going a lot of calls this afternoon, take messages. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And I head towards the beach. And this place that I just rented, this little garage house, was a half a block from the water at the ocean. The boat was right there. And, uh, and I figured, see, when I moved in there, that's terrific. You know, I'm gonna get up every morning, I'm gonna run five miles along the ocean edge every single morning. And, and then I'll dive in the water and I'll body surf some waves in, you know. God, I really feel sick. You know, as far as I know, the water was down there. I never really got around to checking it out, for sure. I was going to, you know, I meant to. I, I only lived there four years. I, I, I would have done it any day after. I just never got around to it. I, I, I have a dual problem. A lot of people in AA have dual problems. They're alcoholics and drugs. They're alcoholics and overeaters. They're alcoholics and fear. They're alcoholics and fat. 
I'm an alcoholic and a procrastinator. I always first figure if a thing's worth doing, it's worth waiting until tomorrow to even consider doing it. And as a result, I postponed about 30 years of my life. I didn't never got around to doing anything. And when there's a decision to be made, I just postponed it until tomorrow. And then tomorrow was done, I'd postpone another day. You know, you keep postponing these decisions, and sooner or later somebody else makes the decision. Because decisions are made. And uh, and then I'd gripe about the decision that was made. You know. I would have never done that. I would have never said that again. And, uh, but I had my chance to make the decision. But I just never said That's the way I live. And, uh, but I'd get home. I'd, I'd, you know, after sitting there and drink four or five of those double martinis, and I'd head towards the beach. And I'd stop and buy the cheapest bottle of vodka I could find. Whatever was on sale that day, that's what I bought. And I'd get home about 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon. And I'm kind of a neat drunk. I hang up my clothes real carefully so the priest would fall properly, you know, and put my shoes away and search time all that stuff. And put my pajamas on. And it'd be like two or two thirty in the afternoon. And I'd sit on the edge of that bed and I'd unpack that cheap box here. Took a big, big jolt out of it. You know, several swallows again. And I'd say to myself, well, done it again today. This cannot continue. You know, you're not the only guy that's ever been divorced. You're not the only guy that's ever been in shit. Why don't you do something about it? All you do is talk about stuff. You never take any action on anything. And then put one of those old records on the turntable. Something like Billy Eckstein singing, Who Can I Turn To? And then I'd go into my fantasy about starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, it's all going to be different. Starting tomorrow, that whole new life is going to open up for me. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock. I'm going to drive down to that office, get down there about 7. I'll knock out paperwork for a couple hours. When that phone starts ringing tomorrow, I'm going to be ready to do business. And starting tomorrow, every waking moment, I'm going to work. I'm in sales. I can work any hours I want to. And I'm going to, every waking moment, I'm going to be earning money starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, I'm not even going to drink. And I'm going to put a big red X on the calendar, and starting tomorrow, I'm going to work 365 days in a row. And I'm just going to sacrifice one year out of my life. Now, a lot of people do stuff like that. They take jobs in Saudi Arabia, Arabia and they work in the oil fields, and they, you know, and they make this big amount of money, and they come back and, you know, I can do it right here. I don't have to go out of out of the country. I can get right here and sign a mile. It's gonna happen. Man, what a terrific idea! Sometimes I just amaze myself. I, I come up with these wonderful ideas, a solution to my problem. I can't do anything about the marriage, but at least I can get out of debt. At least I can straighten out once and for all. And, uh, and I can just say that. We have just, I could just see how happy I was going to be. So I'd be completely out of debt. I'd have a new car paid for. And I'd even buy her a car and drive it up there and dump it off in the middle of the night. You know, with a note. Thanks for all the good years. 
and, uh, and close the key with the card, you know. And I just knew that everything was going to be great, and I could just see myself the end of 365 days and how happy I'd be. And so I knew, you know, everything was going to be fine. So I just started celebrating a job well done. <laughs> And I'd look up at the clock, it'd be a quarter to eleven. <laughs> it can't be a quarter to eleven. I just sat down here at the edge of this pit. It just cannot be that late. That's all. And, uh, my, what, my clock must be wrong. I, I'd call you up there. Set, huh? Quarter to eleven. I said, God, where's this day gone? I can't believe it's this late. Then I'd realize I was almost out of food. And I'd throw my clothes on over my pajamas and I'd run two blocks to the liquor store. And I had to get down there before 11. Close at 11. And that's when I first started jogging by that time. <laughs> I'd get down there and just as the guy was closing up, you know, finally smearing off. I always bought the better brands right around where I lived. I didn't want anybody to think I was cheap right then. Then I could stroll back to my shack to keep me content. Security for the rest of the night. Go back there, play some more records, fantasize. Maybe I'll work two years in a row. You know, at the end of two years, I'll have so much money, I'll take a whole year off. I'll buy a boat. I'll sail all over the all over the world for a year. You know, I have sat on the edge of my bed and I've sailed all over the world. I've been everywhere. You know. In my family. And, uh, and that's the way it was. And then I thought rehearsing this speech I was going to have to give, so I knew I'd be salesman of the year. And somewhere in there I'd pass out. And I'd wake up the next morning and be 10 o'clock. Tomorrow an hour later work. Oh man, I'd get in that car, weave in and out. I had to get there. I should have worked yesterday. I left all those papers. <coughs> I'll get a cup of coffee, come back to my desk, a couple of papers, make excuses, try to look interested, you know. And uh, <clears throat> in that respectable time, I, I go to lunch. The bar that was conveniently located right next door to where I was. And I go over there and make my big decision of the day, whether to have a dollar one or the 75 cents. And then I'd have another one, then I'd have another one, then I'd have another one. And then I'd call and tell them I forgot to tell you. And then I'd call, take messages. And then I'd go home and sit on the edge of the bed and I'd be done with it. And, you know, I'm back that cheap pasta that I bought on the way home. And I said to myself, huh? Done it again today. It cannot continue, you know. You're not going to ask everything to hold us. You're not going to ask everything in jail. Why don't you do something about it? And all you do is sit around and talk about stuff. You never take any action anymore. Then I put one of those old 78s on the turntable. Something like Billy Epstein singing, Who Can I Turn To? Then I'd go into my fantasy about starting tomorrow. It's all going to be different. Starting tomorrow, whole new life. I'm going to put a big red X on the calendar and work 365 days uh, in a row. <clears throat> and I didn't do that once or twice. I did that hundreds of times. And uh, that's where I live. And uh, as my doctor says sometimes, I was through a series of bad breaks and misunderstandings, my wife and I got back together again. 
my son had already moved in with me. And after he moved in with me, then my typical day was to, to get home about 2 or 2.30 and sit down at the pajamas and here he comes home from school, you know. And it would be 2.30 in the afternoon. And I'd ask him, what do you think? How come you're home? Still doesn't even get out till 3. And you're home here at 2.30. And I'd stand there in my pajamas, but with a bottle of vodka in my hand, and I'd ask him, how the hell do you ever expect to amount to anything? <laughs> if you don't apply yourself in this world, my son, you haven't got a chance. And I'm really, you know, really bothers me to see you there. And he always looked at me funny, and he always had four or five guys with him, they all looked at him funny. And, uh, and so then I'd wait for her to come home, We'd have our first drink. So when we got back together again, he said, I don't want to fight you. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm tired of it. You know, we, why are we treating each other like this? All we have is each other. Our daughter had already split. And um, our son would probably be going home in the service soon. You know, why are we treating each other like this? Why don't we just try to be kinder than each other? So a little consideration. And she says, hey, I won't even, I won't even, uh, fight on your drinking anymore. That's what's going on. And that was a big, very terrible mistake, you know, that I consented to that because she was a bad drinker. <laughs> well, some people just can't drink. She was one of those people. She takes, you know, takes one drink as she was finishing her first drink, but, as she was blacking out, that all the chemical emotions in her stayed in the life of the first thing, and she was just meaner than her. <laughs> and she was very, very friendly and outgoing, and then she didn't think she was a one drink, and all hell broke and she she threw the Christmas tree, lights and all, out the back door. She used to take my phonograph records, collector items. And I don't know about you, but I like music when I drink. You know, I, I, when I play these old records, <coughs> they're 20, 25 years old, and I put them in the same play records. Then I play it one more time. Then again, you could drive her crazy. And uh, she'd go over to the phonograph and take the thing off the turntable. Don't break that. It's a collector's item that can't replace it. Good, I'll never have to hear that damn thing. Sometimes I get hung up on a trumpet, too. I, I don't know if you've ever done that, you know. So I lay that needle in there. Man, Lay it in there again. She went over to phonograph one time and just took the arm and sent it up. I couldn't play any more with her judgment, I'll tell you. And it was this chaotic life we lived, it was terrible, and, and that's the way we lived, and only a lot worse. And, uh, and I finally, you know, I finally said, you know, we, we made a big mistake. We should have never come back to that 
and uh, I said, I allowed you to kick me out of all those other places. I need to take care you get it. And uh, I'm going to go to my brother's house tonight, and uh, while I'm there, you can just move out. We got there tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I took you to out of here. And uh, so instead of going, she, she decided she was going to stop out. And uh, she decided that uh, she'd come to the school And that was nothing new at those results here now. And uh, uh, in fact, after she got sober in AA, uh, she had about eight months of sobriety from my family. She was at work and things were. She never could remember what it really was, but something was really bothering her. She figured that when I get home tonight, she had about eight months of sobriety. And I get home tonight and I kill myself. And so she got home and then she remembered. She couldn't do it because she was a cookie lady at the meeting that night. <laughs> you know, sometimes you wonder why they give some of us flaky people some of the jobs they give us around here. It's because they're life saving jobs, that's why. And, but that night, in a blackout, she went into the closet where my clothes were hanging and just took a knife and slashed every stick of clothes I had and just ripped over the piece again and cut my pant legs out my pants and stabbed my, even stabbed my shoes. Just ruined everything, just destroyed everything. Then went out into the living room and broke all the records and, and pulled it the pictures off the wall, broke doors, and, and all the lamps, and pulled the drapes off the windows, and just destroyed this little place to work in. And, uh, uh, and then she uh, turned the gas on, took the gas off, and went to bed. And, uh, next morning, she woke up, you know? Go <laughs> on again, you know? And, and, uh, that old place was so, Grassy, it was just a half a block of rope, and it was so grassy you could have turned the jaws on ten of them to never smell it. <laughs> and she survived, and she had been the only one who had been there that night. And she got up and looked at the color of the and her face looked like a bone man. And she knew she had done it, but she didn't remember doing it. And it really frightened her. She went back to this doctor who had told me that I had quit drinking and go to AA like his wife did. And she went back to that doctor and asked the doctor and she thought she was an alcoholic. And uh, then he said he didn't know that what he said at the meeting was his wife. And, uh, and that's what she said. He went to AA with the doctor. And, uh, because this, we had done the therapy for about 15 years off and on, you know, trying to figure out what this, this therapist one time asked me, you think as much as he said? I said, sure I do. I drink a lot. Who wouldn't marry for a woman like that? I got two of the worst children you can possibly imagine. A precious God. Women. And, you know, the stress that I'm under, you know, I just have to drink, you know. But I said, I'm not hurting anybody with my drinking. They've never missed a meal. 
has a chance to nothing. I've already been to AA. You know, and it's some kind of a religious thing, a spiritual thing, or, you know, a religious cult of some kind. I, and I say, it's okay with me if they want to go, but nothing I do. And so, then, then my wife made that choice. I turned and went back to the doctor and the, uh, in the area. And to be a good guy, I came with it a little bit. And, uh, as a favor. And, uh, and, you know, this was, uh, uh, and I heard it. It just seemed like that thing to people or every time meeting or whatever. And, and I just couldn't stand it. And I finally told her, I've had it. I said, I know I'm an alcoholic. I said, I've learned that. I said, but I'm, I said, I'm going to go to the church. And I did. And I was a little bit before Thanksgiving. And I said, stopped on the AA meeting. And I said, I'm going to go to the church. And I stayed sober. I didn't drink. She was drinking as part of the year. Before Thanksgiving. To be a good guy, I can do it for you. And uh, as a favor. And, uh, and, you know, it was, uh, uh, and I heard it. It just came out that thing to people or every sham meeting or whatever. And, and, and I just couldn't stand it. And I finally told her, I've had I said, I know I'm an alcoholic. I was a little bit before Thanksgiving, and uh, and I said, stopped on the AA meeting, and I said, drinking, and I said, sober, wouldn't drink. She was drinking as part of the year. From before Thanksgiving, clear through Christmas, and uh, it's Saturday night after Christmas, I sat there, she had gone off to a meeting, and uh, I sat there, I sat there thinking about the situation. And I said, you know, to myself, I said, if you haven't drunk since before Thanksgiving, she was drinking as part of the year. Everywhere you go, they try to drink you. And you haven't drunk. You must not be an alcoholic or anything. So I went to the liquor store. Bought a half a pound of wine. And I had a wait. And I got a sack of clay, and I drank it to the gas station for you. And it's gone, and it's hell of a half time for it. I got a fifth, and I got another fifth, and drank all Saturday night, all the Sunday, and closed the fire, two o'clock in the hell of And, uh, and the next morning, ten o'clock, I woke up, and already an hour late, I woke up. But I went into the office. It has to go in on Monday. You don't go in on Monday, you're not going to I learned that right here in the world. And so I went in. Even though I was hungover, really sick. And I told all that alcohol in the system. I had left after about 40 days. And so I went over to the fire a little early. And I had a glass of medicine. Bloody medicine. You know, it's not a 
take a drink of anything. It's medicine. And uh, my old friend, I have medicine, and I make a drink, and I put it in the straight down. And I looked down and I was so happy that all over my time. So I went to the restaurant and I cut a finger to know that we were not in time. And I came back to the bar and I said, Did you want another bloody nose or did you want my finger? And I said, I'm going to do it. And I went over to the coffee shop section and I saw a sandwich and a and I hadn't had a finger yet. And then I kind of thing I, I, I didn't even think about quitting the night before, you know. And, and I don't know how to come up with and But I did. That's the last thing I've had. I've often thought, geez, had I known that that was going to be my last year. So I would have never had a bloody man. <laughs> I said, this is my last thing, so I think I'll have that 50-year-old brandy that's out there. We can pour it in one of those fancy glasses, and I'll swirl it around, and appreciate the aroma of it, and I'll drink it, and I'll smash the glass on the barroom floor, and I'll stomp out of the place, triumph it over on the house. But I, I didn't know that it was my last thing, so it was right now. And, uh, and two or three weeks went by. I was in some kind of an alcoholic fog. I don't remember what happened during those two or three weeks. I know I went to meetings, but I it was just, you know, and I kind of around. And I realized that I had just completed 30 years of sleep. And I got this right and right. I got two of the worst kids in the to imagine. I got a special job. I owe money to everybody. It's all past good. And now I can't even drink. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Absolutely nothing. That's what I'm going to do. There's nothing to do if you don't drink. You know, I know how happy all you people are when you quit, but I'm not at all happy about it. In fact, my life is over. And I'll never be able to have a decent time ever again. I can't go to a nice restaurant ever again. I'm stuck at Jimmy for the rest of my life. I can't go anywhere where they serve liquor. If you go to a place that serves liquor, do what they want in there. If you like a cocktail before dinner, that's the thing. And you can't say, well, yeah, I'd like one, but you see, I've got this disease. You know, and it's got a cold nature, so now it's either bad or something with an obsession of a man. And if I take even one drink, I can't predict my behavior. If it wasn't for that, I, I'd sure have it. I, I used to think you had to explain all that stuff to people. I used to spend, you know, 90% of my waking hours back then explaining things to people. They're making excuses and things. If I stand on the street corner and somebody walked up, I'd say, explain what I was doing there. I had no self-worth at all. And that's what I work on now as I try not to explain it. It's, you know, it's hard to quit explaining. And I don't know if there's any explainers out there tonight or not, but it's 
I'm just trying to quit all together, but sometimes I go two or three days without a thing, you know? And, and I always catch myself, then sooner or later, I'm not in the middle, middle of the big long explanation, and I realize what I'm doing, so I stop right in mid-explanation. And if there's any explainers out there that are thinking about quitting, I've got bad news for you. They never, ever notice the difference when you quit. No one, no one is listening to your explanation. No one's giving them, you know, why you haven't done something you were supposed to do in the first place. And I'm just trying to quit. And I got involved in this business and not saying that's it. And I, I take, I got pressure put on me to, to get it done. I drifted around for about five or six months and, and I didn't have a sponsor and I went to get a meeting every night and I didn't belong anywhere and all that. And I finally, uh, heard this guy speak about his sponsor and I said, and I found out and I said, oh, yeah, I told And so I, I, uh, I got it. And, uh, and he said he was talking to me because I was, I was the same gift that he went through. He said, he wants, he said, I want, I want you to call me every day for a while. So he said, I want to see you at least twice a week at the meeting. And so I had a fellow who said, think it's worth me. And he was back there and he was a super fan of that movie. And that was back there last year, uh, well, this year, actually, in a national, before the international, uh, went to that church, uh, and I was home to it. And so it's back there for him to do that. It's more than what can you do. So that movie, everyone can know. And, uh, the largest movie in the world that moves on the regular basis. And, uh, so, very well. Therefore, but, so, I want to get, the format of that meeting is two ten-minute speeches, a coffee break, and then a main speech to Alan Hunter. And, uh, uh, they took the ten-minute speeches on the way in. And, uh, you never know when you're going to get back. And I'm about to check the third time I went to that meeting. It's like this. Oh, you're the second thing I'm thinking. I'm just waiting there. I said, I knew it. He's like, okay. It's just the second thing I'm thinking. No, it's not okay. I said, I'm not okay. I said, I just had the worst day of my entire life today. I couldn't possibly scare anything around that. And he said, that's I just don't seem to be getting through you. I, 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 I can't do it. I said, I just, I, he says, what do you think? I can't do it. I can't help it. It took me in about six months, I don't have to do it. He says, you don't have to do it. He says, whenever you ask to do something in this meeting, you consider it an AA response. You never, ever turn down the AA I don't And he says, well, why don't you just go in and sit down and enjoy the meeting tonight? And maybe next week you can just find another meeting. Somewhere where you can be a spectator. 
there's all kinds of meetings that you can go to and just sit there and be a special. And uh, so I said, oh, all right, I So I don't know who the first time I said, oh, well, it could have been a two-headed man. So I, I was so into myself, I just couldn't get out of use. And what am I going to say? And, and, you know, if you were just doing this, and you know this, or something you know, I could have went to the big book and studied the big book and, and uh, maybe written down a few of those great lines in there and I could have read them to you, you know, and laid them on you. you know, and, uh, but I didn't have time. I didn't have time to study. You know, and I didn't have time to, to, to you know, time to, to, to study or anything and rehearse my speech. And so, uh, I found my name. That's all. Can't think of anything. So I just told it to you. And I said, my name is Pat Johnson. And I said, I'm going to have to hire him. And I said, hey, hey, hey. And I said, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it. Hang on. And I've got almost six months now. I've been sober. But I said, you know, I said, I see and hear all you guys say how wonderful it is to be sober. I said, my life is going down the street. And I, I said, I'm having trouble with my wife and my kids and, and my job and my kids. And God, it's just like crazy. And I, and I said, I managed to stay sober so far, but I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to stay sober. I knew that great. And, and, and I just went on and on and on, I said, for about 10 minutes. And, uh, and I stopped. They're all clapped, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I sat down and had the coffee break. And then when the miracle of the Lord happened, the miracle of the Lord happened, because you see, I got things from this and 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 this I couldn't stand it. You know, I've never been that high in my entire life than I was at that moment. And that moment, I don't think I've ever seen that in the world of And I don't think I've ever seen that in the world of this thing. And I hope there'll be more than five people at that meeting that we talked about here today. We talked about AA for the stuff. And I'm glad that I that that happened. Because I've been asked to do more um, for the last 25 years. I've got 25 years at 10 years. And, and I've been asked to do And I made the coffee and I set the floors and knocked the floor and did everything I've asked to do. And I really started feeling that I was in AA. Not just going away from me, but I was in. And uh, I was in the it hadn't all been great, you know, but uh, if you, you know, sometimes life hurts, let's face it. And they want, if you're in a way, they expect you to face all these problems without a drink, you know, or any pills, or, uh, or any funny cigarettes, or anything. They expect you to just face it life without anything. And uh, sometimes that can be that. 
and uh, so so I uh, but I remember one time I called my phone to up and he was on a Monday night at 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, he said, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to all these meetings you want me to go to. He said, why not? And I said, you can't. I said, I just discovered that I've got some deep, dark psychological stuff. And I said, you know, I, I went to therapy for over 15 years. But I said, I was drinking it. I was sober now. And now I'm going to go. I'm going to find a good psychiatrist this time. No therapist or no MD psychiatrist. And I'm going to find out what the hell it is. What's wrong with it. I don't know what's wrong, but I just had this terrible feeling this morning. You know? And I'm going to find out. He says, where are you? And I, I said, I'm home. He says, well, that's what's the matter. He, you know, he said, I've already seen the work. I said, for an hour and a half. And you know, he said, I'm home. He says, you know, you just need to go to work. You're just not where you're supposed to be right now. That's all. And you're feeling guilty about it. Just get dressed and go to work. And he says, you'll be embarrassed when you get there because you're late, but you'll be over in a few minutes and you'll be okay. He goes, calm me. And I did that, you know. And I got there and I was embarrassed for a few minutes and, and I called him and said, well, you're right. And I feel much better. He says, well, then let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> so you always got to see where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and so, it turns out I don't have any deep dark psychological problems. I'm just lazy. I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to do all this stuff. I just don't want to do any of this stuff. You know, I want you to do it. Right? And all I can mean from, from, you know, when I feel like I'm crazy. And, uh, but I want you to do it. I want you to love me and welcome me whenever I come around. But that, uh, that's what I want. I want to fantasize about how life really should be. And uh, so I don't want to do any of the work. It's just what it should be. And, uh, but I, I was forced to. Forced to. He didn't want to hear any, you know, he didn't want to debate what the steps really meant. He just wanted me to do it. And you know, nowadays it seems to be kind of a bad mind that everywhere you go, there's somebody interpreting the book for you. You know, you go to these meetings and they these guys and they've got diagrams and you don't think about them. And they're explaining the book to us. And in fact, I went to a book study, uh, book seminar in Orlando, Florida, uh, a couple of years ago. And this woman that was explaining the book, translating the book into whatever her uh, you know, what she thought it meant. Uh, she said that this, that the book on Science and Animals is written in code. You know, it's got some mystical, uh, <laughs> something, you know, it, it means more than it really says. <laughs> well, my sponsor didn't want to hear it like that. He just wanted me to take the book. And you know, it's, I'm not putting down reading the book. I think we should read the book. And more than once, 
continue to read the book. But the time I'm asking closely what the book really means, I think it's just kind of like that. That is, as I understand it, you know, I'm not, I don't, your God might be fine for you, but my God is for me, you know, and God is all in the same, and all in God, and it's the same way uh, with the book. You know, I, I learned from reading that book, but I don't want to hear somebody say, you know, I don't want to hear a book report from the podium, uh, but I just want to hear the guy say,
and he would come in our house. And, uh, and I walked out of that meeting, and uh, I knew I was going to do some help for her. And I was. She lived to pass away. And, uh, and when she passed away, she was stopped. It's always a good stop for me. You know, even though you took care of her, it's still a stop. I was cooking and still a stop. I'm sorry she died. And uh, I'm glad she was a mother of my children. And we had some good years together. We had a turbulent marriage, but we had some good years together. And uh, when she died, so she had a bunch of money. And she had to see it. She had to see how life How life has changed. We have to say to my relationship. And sometimes people say, well, what is it that you have to say to society and, and you get back? What is it that you do? And I ask, if you did, I got tired of it. I was so far behind, I could take through anything. I was always three months behind. I was always doing this. I don't I no longer have to live uh, in, in the past. I no longer have to, to live in 1969. 
I'm not that I can't this time. I thought I was serious. And I thought I was starting on the I was starting on the January of 1986. About five years ago, I was from the south. And I met a lady that I had met in Madison, Wisconsin, several years ago. And she was married and I was married. We just met briefly. She was living in Canada. And so one thing plus another, and got the talk, and then all these friends in China, you know. The guy that started the meeting with she got sober in, the guy that got sober with in Los Angeles, and the movie went home, all this stuff, you know. And uh, one thing led to another, and I said, Well, if I never thought of China, I'm Italian, maybe it's not the same. She said, Thank you, Tony. And so I just told Sky one time. Yeah, I was only about 1,200 miles. Uh, so I called, and one thing led to another, and uh, in January, it was two years, we got married. And we got to go to Paris, and we got to go to London, and we got to go to London. I don't know anything. In AA or alcohol, it's just like that. When I came to AA, I had the worst life. I took a third one. I had the worst life of anybody that ever came to AA. And now I've got the best life. No one has a better life than me. And, it, and uh, we started a little group in Chicago called the Southern Pacific Group. And we had Speaking, we have two permanent speakers and coffee breaks and then a main speaker. Once in a while, somebody, you know, kind of bonds to being a permanent speaker. And I, I just tell them, well, once you go in, get on and enjoy yourself. And, and uh, well, maybe next week you find another meeting where you can be a specialist. <laughs> I kind of like to do that, you know. <laughs> So that's the only thing that I can absolutely tell you. This person turns out to be good. I know that I found something in the rest of the story. And you know, it's the lights and the eyes of the people that just turn me on and keep me coming back. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hank. Uh, Ron has uh, a gift that he'd like to present to you, Hank. On behalf of the uh, host today, for the uh, presentation of everybody here, we just hope that Hank is that Thank <laughs> you. 
we're going to get that minister announced that the registration desk will be open after the meeting. Now, in keeping with the theme of this year's convention, uh, I've asked Pat to read the problem. Hi, everybody. I'm Pat Lee. I'm at the Thank you. 